So, we're going to be looking at part two of Jesus on money. Um, So, what I want to do is give sort of a quick (coughs) summary of what we talked about last week, and then move on to where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be in Luke 12 for all of this morning. So, last week we did kind of a basic look at money. What is money? How does it work? How does it function? And we talked about how money is a standard value system that we all operate on. Um, The second thing we talked about is that money is the simplest, most common, most tangible way for us to show value and worth to something. And everyone can see it clearly. So when you spend money on something, you're showing that you value that thing. And everyone knows how much you value it when you spend money on it. Then we also talked about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The idea that whatever you value the most has the power to lead your heart. And we finished by talking about giving. The reason you give is because of that heart connection. Giving has the power to lead your heart back to God, and it can sever that connection with money and that deep care for money. And also, when you give, it shows a clear message of valuing God. That's what we talked about last week, kind of a summary of it. And this week, we get into a little bit more of the kind of emotional side of money. Why, Why do we love money so much? So, turn to Luke 12. We're going to be starting at verse 13. And if you'll stand with me as we read this, this will be the passage that we're going to be in this morning. Luke 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They, neither, they have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, 
which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, and a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Stay dressed for action, and keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this passage. Um, And I lift up both me and Andrew this morning. Lord, I lift up Andrew. I ask that you would fill him with your spirit as he preaches your word this morning at Centennial. I ask that he would have a fruitful time there this morning. And I pray for me. I ask that you would fill me with your spirit Give me clarity as I speak, and clarity as we look at your text this morning. Open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, <clears throat> Jesus is in this crowd of people, and starting back verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So there's a man who comes up, most likely the parents have just died, large inheritance, his brother's not sharing the money with him. So he comes up to Jesus and says, hey, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Jesus is saying, that's not my problem. Well, what, what does he tell the guy? And he said to him, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Covetousness, coveting, is not a word that we use in everyday language. Um, It means to a, a deep desire for something or a yearn to possess something. It's to set your heart on something and desire it. Colossians 3.5 has an interesting phrase. It says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. It defines it for us. Covetousness, which is idolatry. In coveting, there, there seems to be this implied thought of, God, you held out on me. 
you didn't, you didn't give me what would have been best for me. And that is kind of the underlying thought. The way things have turned out in my life, would have, it would have been better if I would have gotten this. That's the thought in coveting. And Jesus says, be on guard against that. It's dangerous. And he gives us a statement of why we get that feeling all the time. The next phrase, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This is huge for us in America. Our entire economic system is based on this idea. You look at every single commercial is based on this idea. As you watch TV, advertisement comes on. What's the point of the advertisement is, ooh, just think of what you'd be like if you had this. It's to get you to feel like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm lacking if I don't have this thing or the, the newest phone, newest gadget. All of advertising is based off this idea that life consists in the abundance of what you have. What, what we have has nothing to do with who we are. And that sounds like an obvious statement, but it's huge in our culture. Because so much of our culture says what you have makes up who you are. What you do makes up who you are. Everything in our culture tells us that. And, and this is one of those reasons why we are so attached to the number in our bank account. Okay, if in our head we're thinking, okay, what, what I have, what I own, what I possess has some sort of connection with who I am. Every time you log on to Wells Fargo, it's going to be a roller coaster. If, you're, if your bank account's lower than what you thought, there's going to be a, oh, what's, what's happening to my life? And if it's higher than what you thought, there's going to be this sense of, all right, I, I got this. This is good. I got this whole life thing under control. And that's not a good place to be. When we think that our life is somehow tied to what we own, we need to be a people founded on something deeper than our stuff, our money. Our life foundation ought to be deeper. And that's, that's another thing. And this, again, it sounds like an obvious statement, but you have to say it. Money has nothing to do with who you are. Money has nothing to do with who you are. And for some of you, that's an incredibly freeing idea. I'm sure there are some in this room who grew up in, in families that said, in this family, we make this level of income. We're in this tax bracket. And that's what you need to work for if you're in this family. So here that life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. We as a church family, 
Our life consists in something that is far deeper, far more eternal than the level of our bank account, how big our house is, how much stuff we have. We ought to base our life off of Christ and His work in us and for us, not on what we have. And it's that, that flip of my life consists in my possessions that causes so much anxiety in us. Because we begin to base our stability off of what we have, not who Christ is. He goes on to tell a parable. Verse 16, And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Stop there. At this point, there's nothing wrong with the story. There, there's absolutely nothing wrong with well-managed, high-production, well-run businesses that make large amounts of profit. And there's nothing wrong with taking that, reinvesting it back into the business so that it can continue to perform. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Business, businessmen, entrepreneurs, are a unique breed of people. And I'm definitely not one of them. There, there's something, well, and I, I remember my mom and dad talking about my grandpa, who he passed away when I was in lower elementary school, first, second grade, maybe. He, he was an entrepreneur. He was a business owner. And I remember my dad saying he, he would be absolutely thrilled not knowing how, he, how much he was going to make next month. That is not me. I, w- I want to know exactly what that paycheck is going to be and exactly how many I'm getting. That, that's a comfort level for me. So the, the breed of people who are entrepreneurs, business people, is a unique gift. And some people are really good at it. And it's not a bad thing. Many of the people in the book of Acts, the leaders, were the independent business owners of the first century. They were the entrepreneurs. They had their own businesses, which let them travel wherever they wanted, and they could work wherever they ended up. So what, what's the issue here? It's what happens next. He, he has this business. He invests back into the business. He's storing up this these crops to be profitable. What does he say next? I say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, party. That's where he goes wrong. He spent his life building this financial entity, this business. And once it's there, he doesn't say, okay, now how can we use this for the kingdom? He says, sweet, I did it, let's party. Let's relax. It's done. 
And God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up for himself. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He did nothing to prepare for his eternal future. And I want to do a little disclaimer here. Don't hear this as an indictment against saving or against preparing well for retirement. That's not the point of this. He, this guy prepared very well for retirement, and so should we. He prepared very well to have a security blanket of savings in case something went wrong, because stuff always goes wrong. So prepare for it. But he spent his entire life preparing for retirement and spent absolutely no time in retirement. He spent none of his life preparing for eternity, and he spent all the rest of his time in eternity. And I find sometimes we do the same thing. How much of our financial lives do we spend thinking about, okay, how much savings do I have? Is, am I putting enough towards retirement? And how much of your life are you thinking through, how do I, how do I be rich toward God? How do I pour resources into that area to prepare for eternity? Because you're going to spend a lot longer there than in retirement. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. Now, Jesus is, he knows us so well. Because at this point, he knows already exactly where we're going to go. And it's to, oh, well, well what, about, what about this? What about this? What about this? And he launches right into a discussion of that. He said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They, neither, they have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? He takes our anxiety about, well, but what do we do? And he gives us simple examples. Consider the ravens. They're flying around all the time, eating, doing whatever. And God provides for them. How much more important are you than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? What does anxiety do for you? And I, I like this, if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, add time to your life, if you can't do that simple thing, why, why are you anxious about everything else? There's such authority in what Jesus talks about. He's speaking to children 
that are just freaking out about nonsense. That's his tone. He's saying, look, you, anxiety does nothing for you. You can't add a single hour to your life. I can. That's the implication. I extend your life. I am Lord of your life. You can't add an hour to your life. Why are you worried about these things? I take care of the birds. Why would I not take care of you? That's his argument. And he goes on, consider the lilies. They grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? I take care of the grass. The grass grows. Aren't you more important than grass? Do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is what, this is what He loves doing, is giving you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with the treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's that idea again. Where, where's your heart being led? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If the value of your life is into money and things, you're going to have a roller coaster life of anxiety because that stuff comes and goes. Your emotional state is just going to follow your bank account. But if your heart is attached to God, there's a stability there, there's a depth there. When we begin to believe that our life consists in the abundance of our possessions, we get anxious with every change of things, money or stuff. Car breaks down. Oh, oh no. That's going to affect my bank account too. How do, what do I do? All the while, our security in God has not changed in any way, and we send ourselves on these roller coasters and it's there's a sense where you need to step back and look at your life and don't don't just let those things happen to you and let that anxiety rise Romans 8 28 we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. If I believe that, why am I so affected by the number in my bank account? Why am I so affected when I go out 
to my car on a February morning, and I turn the key and nothing happens. Just Why is there just some sort of a anxiety that rises in me? Don't, at that moment, that's where faith happens. Because you've got to step back and think, no, all things work together for good. You've got to claim those promises in your life and say, no, I'm not falling for that. I believe this. I'm going to live this. I'm going to live Romans 8 right now when my car doesn't start, when that number in my bank account is way lower than I thought it was going to be. I'm going to believe that all things work together for my good. That's the life that God calls us to live. A life that is so deeply rooted on Him that when we weather all the storms of life that always come and everyone has them, when we weather them and we are steady, people look at us and say, what? how do you do that? How did you make it through that? And we can tell them, well, I, I have a deeper foundation. I consider the ravens. I consider the lilies. God provides for them. He works for them. And I'm much more important than them. It will take our entire life to work that out. Every day. Jesus goes on to give us Somewhat, somewhat of an encouragement. And I, I love this section. It just sticks, sticks out to me as such a valuable thing to pattern your life after. Starting in verse 35. Stay dressed for action. I love that. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So, so the image is we are servants in a house. Our, the master of the house is off getting married. And he's saying, stay up and wait for him to come back. Be ready when he comes back. So that you may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. And if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamp burning. Do you look at your life in that light? Do you try to pattern your life so that you are ready the moment God puts that burden on your heart? Can you jump? Or have I gathered too much stuff that's weighed me down? That, to me, when I think about debt, 
and trying to stay out of debt, this is where my mind goes. Stay dressed for action. Are you, are you able to go to Africa right away when that burden starts building in you? Like Linnea, are you able to go to Guatemala when that starts building? Or do you have thousands in credit card debt that you got to pay off first? Stay dressed for action. Live, live a light life that lets you go at a moment's notice to wherever you feel God calling you. Be ready. Be ready. There are so many things in this life that can weigh us down. Debt, debt is just one of them. Even just stuff. Having stuff is just a weight on, on your mind. Be dressed for action. Keep your lamp burning. Be ready to jump when God calls you. So kind of a, a summary of where we've been the last two weeks. Money, money is simply a, a value system that we use for transactions. Something special, there's no inerrant value in it. It's simply a transaction system of value that we live in and have to use if we want to live here. And it is the simplest, most common, most tangible way for you to show value to something. And everyone can clearly see it. The thing that you value the most is going to have the power to lead your heart. You've got to remember that. Whatever, whatever you're valuing the most, that's leading your heart. It's pulling you. It's drawing your heart out. Think about that next time you get anxious when you look at your bank account. Okay, where, where's my heart being led here? Giving. Giving has the power to lead your heart back to God. When you pour your treasure into that area, it pulls your heart that way toward God and you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Don't spend your life accumulating and you, I, I feel it every single time I go on Amazon. Because the, the prices on Amazon change a little bit. They go up and down. So, oh, I wonder what it's going to be today. Can I get a couple dollars off? You feel it. Every time you walk through a Target, every time you go shopping, it's just like, oh, oh, this would be nice. Just think of what my life would be if I had that. You feel it. Fight the daily battle of anxiety and money. Don't just let it happen as if, well, that's, that's money, causes anxiety. Step back and say, okay, why am I acting this way? Because I shouldn't. God calls me to not be anxious about my life. So why am I? And think through it. Think through passages. Think about lilies and ravens. 
and how God cares for them. And stay dressed for action. Live a life that is ready to go where God calls at a moment's notice. These are the things that the shepherd calls us to as his sheep and how we handle money. There are many, many other things. But in my reading, those were the ones that stick out to me as really important for us as Americans to think through. We don't, we don't have to be told that it's good to give to the poor. Most of us believe that. But we do need to be taught, don't be anxious about your life. It does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And that's freeing when we live that way. And the world needs people who live that way. So, that concludes our look at Jesus on money. And it's, it's my hope in the future at some point to do um, like a multi-night class. Uh, looking into more of those details. How do these texts work out when we're looking at a monthly budget? How do these texts work out when we're looking at my retirement account? How do these texts work out when I'm looking at how much to give? It's my hope to do kind of a class on those details um, in the future. When? Not sure. Depends on how long it takes me to wrangle all my thoughts together. Um, And we're going to do something a little different today. So we've got offering baskets up at the communion stations. Um, And it's important for you to realize this is not a give and then take. It's not how God works. It's the other way around. He gives to you. You receive. That's the first transaction. God moves, you receive, and out of that, we give. So don't come up here thinking, oh, I have to give in order to have my communion. No, God moves first. And we give in response to that. It aligns our heart back to God. And those two things together, communion reminding ourselves of the sacrifice on the cross, and that ability to put that money in that basket to help lead my heart back to that so that it's not scattered is a good way to fully remind ourselves, okay, this is about God. This is about God. Everything in my life is about God. And it points you back in that way. So we have two stations up here and one in the back. Um, and you can bring your offering to the baskets there. There's baskets on each one as we close with the next few songs. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for... I thank you for your grace. And how gentle you are with us when we are like little kids throwing tantrums in the aisle at Target. You don't ream us out. You simply say, hey, look, I'm going to take care of you. Lord, help us remember the ravens. Help us remember the lilies. 
when it seems like all the stuff in our life is just not panning out, things are falling apart, our bank account's empty, help us live on that promise. And help our faith be real at that moment. Lord, open up our hearts to your teaching when we need it. We lift these things in your name. Amen.